Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's me. That's right. There's a, there's no cold open this week because this episode is just a little bit of a bonus. Something special just for you. So the very first session that I did with Olivia ran long and the software I was using to record it only recorded for an hour. So we had actually finished the content of episodes one and two in one go, but my story was cut off. So we did a second recording session where we cut what would become episode two and episode three, which was supposed to be, you know, a Patreon exclusive thing, should we get to that point. And we were going into what our personal fears were, and it was almost a TMI type situation. Nobody really cares about that stuff. What you want to hear is an interesting story. So I just took the best and cut the rest, but I also have some big spoilers because we talk about a lot of stuff. It's almost a media centric episode. So we mentioned spoilers for PT slash Silent Hills, the game Visage, the movie Under the Skin, the movie The Thing, the movie Splice, the movie Videodrome, the show Midnight Mass, the game Resident Evil 8. There's a lot of Resident Evil 8 spoilers in there. Shouts to Resident Evil 8. The movie Men, the movie Mimic, the movie Hereditary, and the movie Midsummer. Now, we probably don't spoil all of them, but we mention all of them, and I don't remember what we did or did not talk about plot-wise. That is why this is a Hand Stuff 3. We touch on a lot of things, <laughs> but we don't really get anywhere with them. Anyway, enjoy. All right, ladies and germs. So we've uh, blown out the candle we have between us. We are in complete darkness. We're going to get into what actually really scares us in just day-to-day -day life or something that maybe really scared you recently. Um, I'd say being an adult. Is that an answer? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's just existential dread that one day you'll wake up and this was all for nothing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that in adulthood, that's the most realistic fear. That plays into something that I like to call adult apathy. Because I used to love horror movies and games growing up. I used to love getting the jolt of being afraid. But it's kind of hard to come by now. And anytime like a movie or a series really does that for me, I enjoy it. And the last true moment that like really, really scared me was Resident Evil 8. As I am from Romania and Resident Evil 8 is taking place in Romania. It's got <laughs> vampires, werewolves. I'm like this game is tailor made for me. I love it. To give a little bit of context, a husband and a wife have a newborn baby. His wife is killed in front of him and his daughter is abducted. So he's in a very low place emotionally and he has to essentially go through the nightmares of Resident Evil 8 to get his daughter back. So the second major uh, set is this just big, empty, haunted house. Silent, long hallways, pictures falling off walls. Your guns are taken away. Your ability to respond against any attack is gone. Already, it's really playing with your perspective as that character, the husband and father. You come across a body on a gurney. The body is a full-size wooden mannequin of your dead wife. So they're making fun of you, and you have to dissect parts of the, the mannequin to get items to go further in the area. And nothing's happening in the house. There are only little minor scares until you go down a well, and you go back upstairs, and all of a sudden, everything about the little haunted house is different. And there's this huge fire hose-sized umbilical cord leading down a hall, and the hallway is completely dark, and you're just kind of blindly following it. Because what the rest of this section has taught you is that you're fine to go wherever you want. The scares are small and minor. And as you turn the corner, as you go down the second corridor, there's this demonic child laughing. And then you hear these huge slapping 
footsteps on the floor and this huge nine foot tall fetus starts chasing you and when i tell you this scared the fuck out of me like this thing is like elongated and deformed and it's laughing and crying at you at the same time in this distorted voice in the moment it catches you like i died to it the first time i saw it because i just didn't know how to handle it it swallows you whole it grabs you and it swallows you whole. I've beaten the game multiple times. And in that section, as you like to say, it puts my hackles up. The hair on the back of my neck stands up every time I play it, regardless of what I know is going to happen. I've watched Let's Players go through it. I've watched people reviewing the game talk and about it. And it scares you? Watch and it scares me, but it doesn't seem to like affect them in the way that it affected me. Why is that so terrifying for me specifically? You describing it does not scare me. And... Obviously, I'm not in the moment, I'm not playing it, but I can't imagine it scaring me the way that you're describing it scared you. I think it came down to just the intimate nature of how the protagonist was mocked for his failure to protect his family, which is so creepy and disturbing to me to have it become like a Silence Hill style, like all of your mistakes as an individual, like everything you've ever done is a joke. Everything you've ever done is going to get punished and tormented in this specific scenario that's very interesting that's every silent hill game that was exactly how that resident evil level played out because you, you know how like when you're a child you're like what am i going to be like in high school or what am i be like in college all these responsibilities are laid out for you movies and media and the people in your life and you're like these were the formative experiences these are the times when you have to step up to the test when you become a parent when you become a high schooler or a college graduate when you get your first career job there's always fear, like, what if I lose the job? What if I don't get the promotion? What if I don't do well enough? I know, but I feel like the people who actually end up failing those things don't fear those things. And it's true. Just the way a lot of my teachers and the way my parents prepare me for a lot of things, like, I was overprepared. I know I'll be able to hold a job. I'll be able to cultivate skills. But the unknowns that still exist in my life are creating a family and protecting the family. And the way that everyone talks about having children is you'll never know a love or fear as great as trying to protect a child. Yeah. And I think that was one of the first moments where I was like, your failure is literally coming to eat you and kill you. Or maybe it's just the monster design. Like, that shit is <laughs> fucking horrifying, son. Like, it, it, might be, it might be a couple things. Well, <laughs> you'll see it eventually. Like, I'm going to play it for you soon. I can, I beat the game in three hours. I can do this. You know, I'd say it stems further than that, too, though. I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier. I find it harder now to get scared. And I find that when I watch things now with people who do get scared, sometimes I look at them like, you're joking, right? But then there are other moments that their fear scares me enough that... Yeah, you get amped up because you see the fear response in someone else. Right. So I would agree that I lack that now. And I mean, sometimes things are just like uh, scary on a surface level, but they don't really get you like deep below. Yeah. Still that men movie. It has some very interesting and like strikingly horror moments. But, but what the hell? I, I don't, I didn't feel like it was personally talking to me. You know what I mean? Like it was just a interesting experience. Yeah. Interesting is a nice way to say it. Um, and, and what other, I showed you another scary movie recently, uh, Videodrome with uh, James Woods. It was about the relationship between like what you see on a TV screen and what happens in your mind. Oh, I definitely fell asleep towards yeah. the end, but I did see the Not beginning. Not because of that, I guess. No, no, no. I just because you're just sleepy. No, what's the one with the bugs? You made me watch that silly, goofy uh, thriller with like the roaches that were in the subway. Mimic. 
Yeah, I'd never seen Mimic before. Um, it was on that list of uh, 100 scary movies that yeah. Bravo used to have. Yeah. When I was a little kid, that was my horror Bible. That was, <laughs> these are all the scary movies I should see. Bravo? Yeah, Bravo, oddly enough. But yeah, um, I, I'd never seen Mimic, and that was my first time seeing it. That was a horror movie, but it never scared me. No, yeah. It was it was almost like an action movie with I was disgusted. Yeah, I was disgusted yeah. more than I was scared. Like, the squirting of uh, juices or, like, other things was, ooh, not like a... When I think about the last times I truly felt like a, an anxiety or a fear when watching something, I, uh, I recently watched my way through uh, Midnight Mass. And it wasn't the scariest thing I'd ever seen, but the story was so engrossing that when something scary was happening, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, I suppose, old priest makes his way into that um, cave just off of Jerusalem. And he's seeing the creature, the angel, whatever you want to call it for the first time. And it's just this nine foot tall creature with glowing eyes in the cave. Those moments genuinely terrify me. So every time that I saw that creature, I too was scared. But have you ever seen Splice? I know I talk about it a lot. But with you... the little, little creature animal that they raise up and it becomes a woman and it seduces the guy. And and then it becomes a man and impregnates the woman. Yeah. But um, it looks like that kind of androgynous and it, it looks like it could be anything like that it's like gray, bald and paled, hairless. yeah like yeah. but a paled have no thought behind your eyes kind of yeah every time you can I, never penetrate what's going on, on yes the of every time whatever. it walks in the room you're like oh it's an uncanny creature yeah yes it's that unpredictability that kind of thing scares me yeah like an, a, a creature where you can't discern where its actions or intentions lie yes or a creature i can't discern where it came from like uh i showed you the thing right that that yes it was like a monster hiding amongst people yeah it wasn't as tangible. you're trying to yeah yeah if it's clearly like a creature from another realm that's I'm going to have to make me. you see under the skin. But it's one of those things that, like, once you watch it once, it's going to stay with you forever, and you probably don't need to see it again. It's striking in almost every way that it can be. Yeah. You see Scarlett Johansson naked, but let me tell you, when you see it, you're not even going to be enjoying not gonna it. not going to want it. You're not going to be enjoying <laughs> it at all. Okay, let's start with Danny's personal bias here. He would leave anyone in a heartbeat for Scarlett Johansson. So... Listen, I don't... <laughs> I would never leave you or any committed relationship that matter for Scarlett Johansson. If she asked, if she looked what? at you and said, Danny, leave your people. Come with me now. You're saying no. I'm not the kind of person that like, you know, if I had my pass, I would use it on this person. If I'm committed to somebody, I'm committed. If I had to conjure a scenario where I would want a pass and use a pass, it would be like a Scarlett Johansson playing like a Jill Valentine. Like that would be a good... A cocktail of like, yeah, I can't deny something like that. <laughs> anyway, back well, yeah. to fears. <laughs> this fears. is about fears. My fears don't have the same kind of weight that they once did. Like, I made it through to the other side, and not to say that I'll be able it to took do that. The mystique away from them, I guess. Yeah. The way it's that like I feel like a child applies imagination to everything they experience, it gets stripped away as you age. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I would agree in the sense that some of the unknowns of the fears were debunked. Like why I was so afraid of those moments because I had to live through them. And so the unknown is known and you no longer fear what you don't know. Definitely still have panic attacks over financial stability and other things. But like, it's not that completely immobilizing my life is going to end moment. It's just like a, 
oh, I got to get my shit together kind of moment. Yeah, and that's scary and it's outside yourself. It is something you feel as though you have control of. You just need to do a better job of controlling. And I feel like a lot of my fears before were things that I could not control. And, and now that I can't control my financial <laughs> stability, it still is a influx of give and take. But it's more in my wheelhouse. I'd say a lot of my fears are the same way. And that Resident Evil thing was just like a stab in the gut out of nowhere. It's funny, um, Resident Evil 8 hit me really hard, but literally the horror game I played right before that had similar impact on me. It's called Visage. It was inspired by the uh, PT Silent Hills demo. I was so looking forward to Silent Hills, it got canceled, but an independent team of producers, Sad Square, was like, that was so dope, we want to do something with it. So they made a whole first-person like haunted house horror game. It was more than anyone could have asked for. You know what I mean? Like, they went above and beyond. It was a fantastic game, and it's it's still kind of an indie, have you heard about it type thing? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was scary. It was well-produced. It looked fantastic, and it completely capitalized on that PT concept. I bought it at least three times on three different consoles. Like, it's, it's great. Anyway, <laughs> there are a lot of little moments in that game that were like, ah, scary. Like, you know, ghost jumps out at you, or there's a spooky atmosphere. That was a well-crafted product that was made to scare you in the same way that a movie like a Hereditary was. I will say this. Everyone said Hereditary was going to scare me out of my skin. Because people had prepared me so much for it, I did not have that same... Like, if you ever talk to my sister about Hereditary, she owned it on DVD way back in the day. And I did not see that of Taylor. She burned it. She burned it. She was terrified. I did not see of Taylor. She was terrified of it after. She was like, the devil is in that movie. I will not watch it ever again in my life. Olivia, don't ever watch that movie. Do you see it in theaters? No, I watched it at Chris and Taylor's in the dark at night. Okay, so that's enough to be scared alone. Shout out to my sister and her husband. Terrifying house, really dope in the daylight, but terrifying at night. That's where I watched that movie. And I just was not as afraid of most of that movie. I mean, again, I might need to rewatch it. I'll, I'll tell you what scared me about it was after the little girl died, mm -hmm. her, I don't know if it's her ghost or just some kind of like a representation of her being in her brother's room at mm -hmm. night and him seeing like the figure standing there and just hearing the yeah. Oh, that is... That scared the ever-loving piss out of me. That's was, enough to make you look around. I was terrified for months that I, when I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a figure in my room, I would hear that noise. Now you can be appropriately scared of that movie like the rest of the fucking world. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> but why didn't I have that moment when I was actually watching it? I don't know. Maybe it was just not the weight of the theater experience. Maybe it was seeing it with people who told you it was already scary. I remember seeing signs as a kid and being afraid of aliens <laughs> that night. That scene where the alien was up on the roof, that was a long night up after we got home from that movie. Well, the first time that I went to Chris and Taylor's house, people in my immediate family know that I'm sensitive to energy. So they didn't want to tell me anything about it. So I was just kind of walking through and like feeling the vibe on each room and um, we made our way into the living room. They're just in general in that place is a very heavy vibe. I don't want to say it's dark, but we had made our way through the kitchen. It starts to get darker as you go through the kitchen into the back room. I could definitely tell that someone had spent a lot of their time back there. You just feel the energy. But I had no knowledge of any of that stuff before I walked in there. So we walked into a den 
It has a fireplace, a little bar. Yeah, it's a very cordial sitting room area. Yes. To give you a little bit of context, it's like pine boards paneled up. Right next to that room is what Chris calls a man cave. It's got his mini fridge and his art setup. It's got all of his games in there. But they were still in the process of moving furniture in and out from what was there in the house versus what they were bringing in. And when I walked in that room, the furniture was just in disarray. And I looked at Taylor and I said, somebody is sitting in that corner. And there was a chair. It was in the right-hand corner, but it was supposed to be in the left. I said it to Chris and he said, that's where my grandfather died. Now those were some frightfully fun stories. Howdy everybody, it's me, your host, Danny. And I wanted to let you in on something special. You might have noticed that when I introduce the show, I say we are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. That's because there will always be at least three people in each episode. Me, the person who wants to hear a good story, the guest, the teller of a good story, and you, the listener, that takes that story and carries it with you out into the world. And we make up a special kind of trinity. We are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. And if you ever want to graduate from listener to guest, reach out to us via our handle on Instagram, hometown underscore whores underscore podcast. Our email is the hometown whores podcast, no spaces, at gmail.com or via text or phone call at 571-358-8880, which FYI is not my personal number, but give it a ring. I'll get back to you because if there's anything I've learned from doing the podcast is that everybody has a story and that story deserves to be heard. On your number one source for the most spine-tingling, gut-wrenching, insomnia-inducing stories around the Hometown Horrors Podcast.